21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast series. Um, as mentioned uh, last week, you would have uh, hopefully tuned into Neela Steele and I sharing our first four times mindfulness podcast. So we've decided to, to make it a weekly tradition, and we're hoping to release these podcasts every Monday. Um, so this is our second installment of Four Times Mindfulness. My co-host, wife, and good friend, Neela Steele, is beside me right now, and we are recording live at Gilly's Pub mm-hmm. in Nanjing, China. So um, you already know uh, a bit about Neela, you know a bit about me, so... Neela is going to um, begin, I guess, just a quick uh, bit of background with four times mindfulness. Uh, We are sharing two things each, two big ideas or themes or sources of inspiration that are rooted within the seeds of mindfulness. So two things each, hence the four times mindfulness uh, title that we've come up with for this podcast. So uh, Neela Steele is going to share her first seed of mindfulness for this week. So, Neil Steele, go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, I want to begin with, um, uh, begin by sharing a poem that used to hang on my mother's wall in uh, the house I grew up in, in Mississauga, Ontario. And I never really paid attention to it uh, growing up. But at some point in my adult life, I just began to notice it. And so much of, of it, I really, truly believe, connects to mindfulness. So I want to take a moment and read the poem. It's a beautiful poem. I love it. It's, uh, and it now hangs in our kitchen in Nanjing. And it's uh, one of the many items that we take with us around the world, just so that we know that uh, where we are is home. It makes it home. So the poem is called Desiderata, and it was written in 1927 by Max Ehrman. And Desiderata translates uh, in Latin into desired things. It's from Latin. So here we go. Go placidly amid the noise and haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career. However humble, it is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. 
be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars, and you have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labors and aspirations. In the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful and strive to be happy. So I love that. I love that poem. Because so much of it is linked to one of the lines that I love is uh, listen to others. And as educators, so much of our day really involves being present and listening to others and, and simply that act of listening. Uh, it's very difficult to listen and feel like you want to jump in, like that skipping route. When is the when will the person I'm listening to pause so that I can immediately pounce and jump in and tell a better story or share an exciting story that I want to share with that person? But when you're working with colleagues and everyday interactions, listening to other people, we have yet to improve on our listening. And so many of the other lines. But I, I really love that poem. Yeah, I love, enjoy your achievements as well as your plans and keep interested in your own career. You know, and it, to me, it just goes back to that idea of uh, teaching is the ultimate service to others. You know, and and I guess I just feel that it, it is an injustice when um, teachers don't realize how important their job is and that every single day matters. And there's a, a well-known consultant. Uh, he's written several books uh He's from the States. His name is Todd Whitaker. And uh, I don't know if I, I have his this quote um, exact, but it's something along the lines of um, teaching is important because it it matters, matters. every day. And no, because it matters. Because it matters every day. And it matters day. every day, I think, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and that the idea... Of you know, I'm screwing up the quote, but um, I'll put it in the show notes. But the idea is that because it matters every day, yes, you got to be on your game because every second counts. And that's not to put pressure on teachers to make them feel as though they've got to be perfect every second of the day. Not at all. They have to be human. They have to be vulnerable. They have to be their authentic selves. And I think this, this poem is beautiful because it's all about being your authentic self. And as you go through each line, you um, 
you see that every single line is truly rooted in being mindful and present. The, the first one I love too, which is just go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. And when you begin to practice um, more of a uh, formal mindfulness session, it's about quieting and being aware of, of your thoughts that sit in your head over and over again. So that is Desiderata by Max Ehrman. Yeah, so we'll put that in the show notes. And you've also, uh, you've written a blog I, I, on mindfulandpresent.com, your website. I did. Uh, that was uh, quite a while ago. And uh, I asked uh, people to read it, to just pick a line in the poem that resonates with you and to use it as sort of a weekly intentional goal so in the past i've i've chosen listen to others and then really made a point to uh, practice intentional listening and then the other one that um, i also like to refer to is uh, take kindly the counsel of the years gracefully surrendering the things of youth yeah, yes. that's a good one as well, especially as, 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 as we, we are aging yes. together. Yes. So that's a good challenge for everybody listening. Uh, hopefully, if you are listening, um, you'll you'll check out that poem and maybe take on the challenge of picking out one line from the poem and trying really hard to put it into action mm-hmm. um, the week after you listen to this podcast. Okay, and now your turn. So I wrote a blog post um, today, in fact, um, and the blog post is uh, kind of, you know, we're approaching the end of the year and regardless of what school you're at, you always hear people saying the end of the year, people start to lose their, their mind and they start to get really agitated and impatient with their colleagues and lashing out and and there seem to be all these problems that are uh, come to the surface at the end of the year. And I think it's bullshit because it's almost as if the end of the year is being used as an excuse to just unleash on others. And it's so wrong. And I was thinking about it uh, this past week. Um, but I wrote the blog post today and it was uh, called uh, being aware of the end of the year traps like don't Mm -hmm. fall into the end of the year trap type thinking Mm -hmm. and to illustrate the point I shared a story that I heard from a TED talk that was uh, given by a composer and broadcaster and uh, musical genius named Charles Hazelwood and in his TED Talk, he shares the, the power of music, and in particular, a, the story of Prince Esterhazy. And Prince Esterhazy, this is like two centuries ago. So he's a Hungarian prince, his family ultra-wealthy. Um, they've been in control of this area of Europe for decades. The prince loves music. So his family employed a famous Austrian composer, Joseph Hayden, to be at the prince's um, disposal. Um, Whenever the prince wanted music, he had Hayden and Hayden's orchestra with 16 musicians ready to perform night and day for the prince. So for years and years and years, their job was to play music for the prince. 
and the families of the orchestral musicians were allowed to live on the grounds of the palace. Mm-hmm. And the prince also owned a summer palace. So whenever he decided to go to the summer palace, he demanded that the orchestra come with him, which meant the family coming as well. And then one day, the prince just uh, out of the blue decides he's going to no longer allow the families of the orchestral musicians to live on the palace grounds, and he sent them off far away to live someplace else. So he essentially separated the orchestral musicians from their families. So for months on end, the musicians were separated from their families. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of pain there, you know? Yes. But he was unbending, and he, he would not change his mind despite the composer Hayden trying to get him to change his mind on, the, on this matter. So Hayden comes up with a genius plan. He writes a beautiful uh, score called The Farewell Symphony. And he has his 16 orchestral musicians play this beautiful piece of music for the prince one night at the Summer Palace. In the darkness of the night, each orchestral musician has a candle lit in front of them. And the song is like 35 or 40 minutes. The score is 35 or 40 minutes long. So you imagine that in an orchestra, there are four groups of instruments. There's the woodwinds, there's the brass, the percussion, and the strings. So nearing the end of the Farewell Symphony, the woodwind group gets up, stands up, they play their final piece of music, then there's silence, and they blow out their candles, and they walk away into the darkness. So they walk right away from the, from the, the rest of the people in the orchestra. Then percussion and brass does the same thing, and they play their final piece, blow out the candle, and walk away into the darkness. And then... At the end of the song, there's only one violinist left playing this beautiful, magical piece of music. Mm. And then she bends over, blows out the candle, and walks away into the darkness of the night. And obviously the idea is that the music withers away and dies, Mm. and the light is extinguished. And Prince Esterhazy immediately understood the significance of that score. And he reflected and he thought, what have I done? You know, I know what this is about. And this is about the families not being able to be with the musicians. So he reversed his decision and allowed the families to come back to the palace. The music continued on and everybody was happy. So I take this a very, um, from this story, a very powerful sense of, of mindfulness. And at the end of the year, when everybody is is bitchy and complaining and on each other's backs the whole time, we sometimes forget our own internal light. Mm -hmm. And it is our responsibility to keep our internal flame lit and to keep the flames of our colleagues and students also lit. So it comes down to really being aware of our thoughts, actions, words, and behavior and, and ensuring that we choose empowering words and thoughts and actions and behavior and in doing so we keep our own uh, candles lit Lit. and we also empower others and keep their candles lit mindfulness is all about this it's about really reflecting and creating that quiet space um, to ensure that we are are in a reflective state and and choosing uh, empowering thoughts, words, actions, and behavior. So that's what I take from that story. Um, 
Uh, the end of the year does not have to be this way in a lot of schools. Uh, it can be a very, it should be a very special experience, not one of doom and gloom and, and everybody losing their mind, uh, regardless of how busy it is. So mindfulness gives us the tools to be able to empower ourselves and others. And I, I have two things that I want to add to that. And one of them is in yoga class, you'll often hear at the end of your yoga session, namaste. And it, it's often not explained, it's just said, and sometimes students will repeat it back. And the namaste translation that I've always uh, heard and liked and is that the divine and the light in me bows to the divine and light in you. And I made that connection with that story because uh, it, it's a good reminder that consider that we are all connected in some way, shape, or form. And by saying uh, and explaining this, kids, um, actually on Friday, Andy came into my class, my grade five class, and I had just had a discussion with him about how our kids, considering that some of our kids are also international and starting to feel a lot of tension because they know it's the end of their uh, year at school or many years at this school, and they're also being sort of airdropped into new countries, not only new schools. And I was talking about how uh, there was a lot of tempers sort of flying. And Andy shared this story with the kids, and they really reflected and understood that the need to keep your own candle burning, but also to brighten somebody else's candle and not dim it. That was It was a good discussion, and I didn't expect to share that story, but I did, and I was wondering if the kids would get it or if it was over their head. They were completely silent, and I could see that they were really listening, and I asked them to identify things that caused their candle to be... Uh, almost extinguished or extinguished. And they came up with an amazing list of like my parents fighting, um, fighting with my brothers or sisters, uh, people being unkind, saying mean things to yeah. me, bullying. Right. Um, so they, they definitely got it. And I'm happy that I shared that story. And um, there was one boy in particular who said at the end, he just he, made a comment out of the blue. But this boy is also really struggling with... Um, saying nice things others, yeah. and yeah yeah and out of the blue he wasn't asked you know i didn't ask him to speak out or anything and he just said i think that i'm really going to remember this story you know and yeah so you know kids really do get it and it's a reminder to whether you're a teacher or an administrator a parent a parent uh choose empowering versus disempowering so i think that that concludes my uh Okay. One seed of yeah. mindfulness for this week. So Neela Steele is going to go into... Um, my third. My third yeah. is short and sweet. It is a Sanskrit mantra that I've heard after many yoga classes. And um, I just want to make an attempt at the pronunciation. But the mantra is Loka Samasta Sukhino Bhavantu. And the meaning of this is May all beings everywhere be happy and free. And may my thoughts, my words, and my actions contribute to the freedom for all. 
for all to be happy and free. And when we do this in yoga, we put our hands together and then we partner our hands with our hearts. And so that when you say, may all beings everywhere be open, uh, excuse me, may all beings everywhere be happy and free, you open your palms in a sort of receptive way. And then you bring the palms together and you place your hands up by the forehead so that you're reminded, may my thoughts. And then you take your hands and you place them on your lips the palms still together, to remind yourself that may my words, and then finally at the heart, may my actions contribute. And I love this very simple mantra because it reminds us to be mindful of the words we use, of the tone we use with our own kids and our loved ones, and our words and actions. If you remind yourself that we are all so connected, and if you remind yourself to be kind and caring and compassionate, first with yourself, and then let it spill over in your interactions at work or at home, it keeps you sort of grounded in, yes, am I being mindful? Am I doing my utmost best uh, to grow and learn and continue to just practice this sort of action of peace for yourself and others. Yeah, and having said all these things and, and the great, you know, these, these sources of inspiration for us, we are by no means able to put these things into practice in our lives all the time. And so, no. So it's important to understand that this is not some, you know, suddenly life becomes... And beautiful and glossy and enriched um, there are struggles all the time and and I know myself I still lash out I still have many moments of imperfection and <laughs> you know for yes. for those we we've had a beautiful five years in China and it's I wouldn't change it for anything in the world uh, we've learned that Chinese culture is very beautiful and that it's a country bustling with a billion, over a billion people that are going about their everyday life trying to succeed and love their families. There is poverty, there is wealth. Um, it can be very dirty in places. It can and be very beautiful loud. in places and loud. Yeah. And I have my moments where I'm challenged by the loudness and uh, the aggressiveness of the the driving yes, the, yeah. and, and everyday life. And I still lose it. I'm with my kids and, and a car will pull out in front of us and I won't shoot at the finger, but I will probably shout something out that I shouldn't. So there are, are moments. Mindfulness is not about living a perfect life. No. Mindfulness is about slowly but surely striving to embed these practices within your life with more regularity and you can still have these moments of imperfection no problem at all but at least it, it gives you an anchor or helps to ground you yeah um, you know through the tools of mindfulness to to be more present aware and compassionate mm -hmm. and empathetic and it and it works it most definitely works, and it's a practice. I like to, at, at our school, we often have the example that when we're making change or attempting to do something different or new, we call it the drip drip. So you want to visualize an intravenous drip, 
and when you make these little drips and mini mindfulness sort of alterations in your day then they'll continue to grow and another another image is planting seeds it takes time uh, not all the seeds will grow and flourish but keep on throwing them out there and keep testing them out Ken Robinson one of the best TED talks he's given is uh, about um, Death Valley California okay uh, where for nine years uh, this region of California received no rain and then all of a sudden uh, over a course of four days they received like nine inches of rain remarkable right mm-hmm. this the rain that came down a couple months after the rainfall flowers started to blossom on the floor of Death Valley for the first time in three decades three or four decades wow. and Ken Robinson's, Robinson uses that as a metaphor for um, when you continue to nourish the soil yes that you know things will blossom but you have to yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have yeah. to nourish the soil. And then, uh, Mindfulness is nourishing your mind, spiritually, emotionally, you know, physically. Yes. Um, so if you continue to nourish your mind, then then the seeds will blossom in some way or another. Well, well uh, the other story is about um, we've really been sort of implementing mindfulness at NIS, the school that I currently work at, for the last three years. And so my son was in grade four when we just started to sprinkle a few of the practices around. And we really didn't have much feedback in how it was going or if the kids were really open and receptive. And initially when I started doing it for myself first and then I kept adding it in, I always sort of felt that it was my my thing. And uh, I started to build up on student reflection. But the small win was now those grade four students are in grade six. And when we offered some middle school de-stressing activities, we put mindfulness out there. And we didn't even put a limit on the number of kids who could sign up because we weren't sure. So how surprised we were when we had the problem of 60 kids voluntarily signing up for a mindfulness session. And I was so happy and still such a a great win knowing that after three years uh, and and not even doing it consistently just here and there that the kids were really receptive to it. Yeah, and I think that leads nicely into my uh, last one, my fourth um, so four times mindfulness. So this is uh, the one that's going to close us off today. But um, we are big fans of the Tim Ferriss podcast. He uh, amazing podcast. Uh, over seventy million downloads to date. Um, he's very thoughtful in everything that he presents in his podcasts, um, and he has some amazing guests on. So his job is to essentially deconstruct their success. Um, so that there is applicable takeaway value for the people listening uh, that can apply it in their own life. So there was a great one recently called How to Optimize Creative Output, and he had his friend and guest on, um, Chase Jarvis. And in this episode, um, they share lots of, you know, lots of different things that are, that are uh, inspirational to them. But Tim talks about, he calls it like fluffy and corny, but his ex-girlfriend gave him uh, a jar of awesome. Uh, 
in which she said, you know, you're too hard on yourself. Here's an empty jar. And she called it Tim's Jar of Awesome. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, you need to start appreciating the little successes in your life. Yeah. You're doing amazing things. Yeah, you got this great podcast and you got these best-selling books. And you're so not um, appreciative of these amazing things in your life. Yeah. So let's deconstruct that. And let's work backwards and begin to identify the little successes and the small wins in our lives. You need to start appreciating the small wins in your life, no matter how small they are. So what she challenged him to do, and he did it. He said he felt like a dick, you know, (laughs) when he first started doing it. But then he learned to really appreciate it. Right. Was to write these little moments, you know. So, for example, I woke up on time. I didn't hit the alarm button, uh, you know, a second time, yeah, or the yeah. snooze button a second time. These little wins, no matter what they are, you define what your small win is. Mm-hmm. If it's not having a third beer, not having a fourth piece of pizza, or eating more vegetables, it doesn't matter. You define what your own small win is, and you write it down in the date and the time, and you put it in your jar of awesome. Right. And the idea is that months later you forget about these small wins so when you're struggling and you're feeling as though you're not on track and not moving in the right direction you simply have to go back to your jar of awesome and you've got all these little reminders about your little successes so the jar of awesome Neela for my birthday this year my 48th birthday she gave me a great gift which was my own jar of awesome And having left the school, you know, as I've been consulting the last year, and it was a hard decision to move into consulting and leave what I love doing, teaching, um, and saying goodbye to the teachers and the students, she gave this jar of awesome to teachers that I worked with and students that I taught, and she had them write their own message for me. So for my birthday... Yeah, and I just just want to say that when when I asked people to fill out something for you with most of your students they asked them to remember a moment that they really enjoyed that they had had with you whether that was a teaching moment or a moment on a field trip and then the the teachers i asked them to write down three adjectives that would best describe you when they thought of you yeah so i was a little more specific in in what i requested but it was very special i remember opening it up and it was just jam-packed full you had about 60 notes yeah and i i loved it i went through it but at the you know at the time i didn't know you didn't tell me about tim ferris no nowhere i got the idea from you um so i made that connection this week i was like oh that's where she got the idea Mm. from um so again it's about uh mindfulness and we return back to the seeds of mindfulness and the reason why we're doing four times mindfulness. Um, when returning back to those seeds of mindfulness, being grateful for the good things in our life is definitely a part of mindfulness. So hearing the podcast and, and uh, hearing about the Jar of Awesome is a reminder to no matter where you are at in your life or what you're going through, it's imperative that you appreciate uh, the gifts that you offer the world and the successes that you have, even on the most micro level. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is my, my fourth fourth one. That's my fourth one that I wanted to share. 
for this week. We actually we're being delivered some food right now. Um, we we've, we've got a great. We're going to close off the <laughs> our, episode. Yes, our son. Our uh, son is cooking the food at, yeah. the, at the pub that we're at. So, so. we're at, thank you. So we are at um, Just Gilly's. Yeah, to, yes. to, to to review. So we're at Gilly's Gilly's Pub. It's owned by a couple of uh, an American father and his son. Our son Ty Steele Vassy loves cooking, and the the father uh, who owns the pub brought Ty into the kitchen as we're recording this podcast, <laughs> and he's giving him a, an apprenticeship on on cooking right now. And they they just delivered two plates of food from the kitchen. So uh, to wrap up, the um, the first seed of mindfulness was. The, oh, the first seed of mindfulness was uh, the poem Desiderata by Max Ehrman, Earhart. And my... Ehrman, yeah, yes. And my um, uh, second, uh, the second seed was all about um, the Prince Esterhazy story and the idea of um, just being more aware of our thoughts, actions, words, and behavior. And then the third was Loka Samasta Sukhina Bhavantu. May all beings be free and happy, and may our thoughts, words, and actions contribute to the life in others to create that happiness and freedom for all. Love it. And the last one is the jar of awesome. So create a jar of awesome for yourself. Or somebody and, else. And, and, the, and if you create it for yourself, only you need to know about it. So... Um, that'll conclude this week's uh, Four Times Mindfulness. Thanks for listening, and we really, truly hope you come back and listen to future episodes. Shishini, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassman. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.